The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This week... On the Chicago Bears Review, Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's PrideofDetroit.com joins Larry D to talk about the past, present, and future of the boys in the silver and blue, the Detroit Lions. Can the Lions make it back to the playoffs, or will they return to the cellar? All of this and so much more on part three of the NFC North Preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Part number three of the uh, NFC North episodes, but episode number eight of these opponent previews, this time talking about the Detroit Lions. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for, like I said, the eighth time in this opponent preview series, I guess we can call them now, where, um, you know, I've, I've had an absolute blast uh, doing these uh, doing these interviews. Uh, you know, it, I almost feel silly actually for not having tried this sooner uh to be honest with you i guess um we can chalk it up to to laziness uh ron rug from football of america if you're listening and uh you know you say you're a fan of the show so i believe you are i want to thank you for finding me to be on your show and you know basically encouraging me to do something like this because it's probably the most fun i've ever had doing the show at least since the very beginning when i first started and it was just awesome to be doing it so uh, thank you to him, and thank you to all of my guests that I've had on the show uh, so far. Pretty much all of them have had a good enough time that they've agreed uh, to come back during the season when we are going head-to-head. And I hope to have anyone that I've missed so far. So th- that would be like the 49ers, the Rams, and the uh, Seahawks. Talk to their people. And then, of course, we have the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Chiefs. Those are the teams that I didn't get uh, to talk to uh, on the uh, on the preview episodes and next year I'm going to try to get them all we'll try to get all 13 of our uh, of our opponents next season which will be a repeat of the last three gentlemen that we've spoken to uh, this time Evan Western for the Packers Chris Gates for the Vikings and of course this gentleman that we're talking to today Jeremy Reisman and um, you'll hear me at the beginning of the interview apologize to him uh, because anyone who's been listening to the show lately uh, would know I have been mispronouncing his last name uh, for the last seven episodes. So, uh, you know, I think that I have mentioned him by name in every single preview episode that I've done so far, and I've managed to call him Jeremy Reesner with an N as in Nancy for the last seven episodes. It didn't even dawn on me until I pulled up his profile on Skype to talk to him this morning that I saw that his name is Reisman, 
as in Joe Theismann or Heisman, however you want to uh, do it. That is uh, how the man's name is uh, pronounced. I've been getting it wrong this whole time. So you, you get to listen to me grovel at the beginning of the episode, uh, begging for forgiveness for screwing up uh, his name. So have a, a fun little moment for you guys uh, there at the beginning to to hear me uh, apologize for, for being an idiot and not actually reading what was in front of me. I don't know where I got Reisner from or Reisner or however I was pronouncing it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was stuck on that until I actually saw his name, uh, when I was, uh, pulling up his profile, uh, on Skype to talk to him. So, uh, yeah, so that was, that was fun to have to admit that, uh, you know, anyway, had a great conversation with him. We talk about the lions. We talk about the fact that a lot of you have been listening to the show. You know, if there's a team in the NFC North, I loathe losing to, it was the Detroit Lions. And the funny thing was, not so much last year, because the douchebaggery of Jim Schwartz was no longer an issue, because Jim Caldwell was the new head coach, the team kind of had a different way about them. You hear me uh, describe them as being cocky for the sake of being cocky um, under Jim Schwartz, and that made them a very unlikable football team, made them even less likable when you were losing to them. So we have a little back and forth about that. He actually agreed with me as far as uh, Jim Schwartz is uh, is concerned. But a very cool conversation uh, that we had, so I'm not going to beat it into the into the ground as far as that goes. Um, as far as our final preview episode with the Chicago Bears or on the Chicago Bears, I'm going to have somebody in here with me. Who that is yet, I haven't quite decided. Maybe it'll be more than one person. Why the hell not? So, uh, you know, let's try to get a roundtable going uh, for this thing, see how much we can actually do uh, with that. So uh, not even sure when that one's going to actually take place. So we might actually have a chance, you as listeners might actually have a chance to sit back and breathe a little bit between episodes before we put the cherry on top with the the show on the Bears before we go into training camp and we start talking about preseason games and into the 2015 season. So um, you know, like I said, I've had a blast doing these shows. I'm looking forward to talking to these guys uh, and ladies. We had one, um, Miss uh, Lori Lattimore Volkman, had a fantastic time talking to her. Um, and uh, you know, having them all back uh, on the show as the season uh, progresses, uh, it'll uh, you know, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So, without further ado, I turn the mic over to myself and Jeremy Reisman to talk about the Detroit Lions and where they are headed in 2015. All right, so here we are with uh, Jeremy Reisman. Um... I, you know what? Um, I, I, I got to apologize to you, man. I, I have been calling you Jeremy Reasoner for the last six or seven episodes. I don't know why. I mean, the, the Reese Rise part of the name, that's negligible, I believe. Sure. You know, that's just having that to hear you pronounce it. But where the NER came from, I don't know uh, why I, you know, even in, uh, you know, Hooking up with you on Twitter and, and everything, it never really dawned on me that I was getting your name wrong this entire time. So I want to just apologize to you and make sure that I get that corrected. It's Reisman, not Reisner. So uh, 
now we're just going to go ahead and get that right, and we'll just forget that that ever happened. Uh, all right? No, no worries. Uh, I kind, it kind of Reis, Reisner kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit. So yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know where the hell that came from. Um, you know, whatever. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks <laughs> Thank for uh, thanks for doing this. And uh, uh, Jeremy is from prideofdetroit.com on SB Nation. And uh, how long have you been uh, doing the the SB Nation thing? Um, I've been doing it for, I'd say, probably about six years. I started just kind of, they have that fan post section where you can post anything, um, and I started out there just writing previews for games. I have kind of like a, a very specific style, and uh, the, the guy who runs the site. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Sean Ewell, he he promoted me after a couple years of doing that, and ever since then I've been doing the previews and... uh, I've been doing more and more every year, so uh, it's a really it's a really awesome site and a, and a great home for my writing specifically. Great. Now, um, I did hear your interview on um, when you were on Football is America earlier in the spring, and you have been a fan. You're from the Detroit area, correct? Yeah, that's right. I, I was there my first uh, 24 years. Okay, and you're where now? I'm in Los Angeles now. Right, Los Angeles. That's right. Because I, I think that um, it's been a, it's been a funny thing that that's kind of uh, I thought it would be the, like someone like you would be the exception to the rule in these SB Nation writers that I've been talking to, mm-hmm. uh, but instead you guys are the rule, as in those who don't live in the market of the team that they're covering. Yeah. Um, I talked to Lori Lattimore Volkman for the Broncos. She's in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I've got two guys, uh, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman and uh, Sander Phillips from the Bucks Nation are overseas in the Netherlands oh, wow. and Germany, respectively. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as far as who I've talked to so far, Jess Root for the Cardinals and uh, Mike Carrar for the Redskins are the only ones actually living in their <laughs> respective markets. So, um, you know, yeah. I guess, you know, thank God for the Internet that something like this right. is actually possible. Yeah, and some some kind of view the expansion of the NFL as like this conglomeration takeover. But in terms of being able to consume football, it's it's been great for people who you know can't live in their home area anymore for whatever reason. So 
I'm thankful for, uh, you know, Sunday ticket package. I'm thankful yeah. for NFL game rewind where I can rewatch all the games. Um, it's, it's really an awesome system and it's, it's easy to be as big of a fan no matter where you are now, which is, which is something you probably couldn't say 10 years ago. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I, I lucked out, uh, fortunately. I don't live in Chicago uh, anymore. I live three hours west in the Quad Cities, right on the Mississippi River, the Iowa-Illinois border. But mm-hmm. it's a Chicago market. Right. So I don't have to have Sunday ticket or go running off to sports bars whenever the Bears are playing. I can just sit in the comfort of my home and pull up the Fox affiliate and boom. Uh, I'm there, but you know you're on the opposite end of the country from your guys, right? Yeah, it, it must be nice for you too, just to kind of share that camaraderie when you're going out mm-hmm. anywhere and you see someone with a Bears hat or yeah. Bears shirt. Like that's that's kind of a rare commodity for me now. Well, Although, in, at the same time, like that's kind of fun though, because when you see someone, like you you have this instant connection with a stranger, and uh, that's something I found ever since I moved to LA is going to away games and. Uh, and just hanging out with people, random strangers, it it builds a bond a little quicker than you would maybe in your hometown. Yeah, because especially being a Lions fan, you guys have like that that inner pain that you feel like no one else knows because <laughs> being a Lions fan is being a tortured fan. Right, right. Yeah, you're not exactly alone, at least not recently. Anyway, as far sure. as uh, as far as we are uh, uh, concerned. <laughs> Um, I do remember from from your interview with the guys that you were were a season ticket holder, or is your does your family still have tickets? Uh, my family actually ended up moving out of Michigan as well. I think they were waiting for me to get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had season tickets kind of coincidentally until the zero and sixteen season in two thousand eight. Um, we didn't stop just because they went zero and sixteen. I would have loved to stay, but uh, work had me move out here to Los Angeles. But um, Basically, until I was, until I could start creating memories, I had been a, a season ticket holder up until then. Right, right. So you and I were actually, we shared Ford Field one day. I was in town in 07 when the Bears came to town um, to play the, the Lions. Uh, my, my friends and I, we make an annual road trip to one of the Bears uh, games, and we picked Detroit sure. that year. And um, Usually a safe bet. You know, it, I don't really. I think it was actually more because Ford Field's seats were pretty cheap. Yeah. Uh, you know, comprised to, compared to everyone else they were traveling to mm-hmm. uh, that year. But that was the the game where the Lions managed to score like an NFL record thirty four points in the fourth quarter oh. uh, to to take a thirteen to three Chicago Bear lead in the fourth quarter and turn it into like a thirty seven to twenty four win or something. Whatever the final score ended up being we just watched the game disintegrate in front of us in the last uh 15 minutes though but um you know it was pretty awesome that we got the the highlight of the game was uh well Devin Hester threatened to run one back like three or four times and then he finally did break one for about 97 yards um which was uh pretty sweet so yeah yeah he uh caused a lot of trouble (laughs) he did he did he was quite the menace so all right so you know, you're, you you have all these tortured years uh, as as a fan. How old are you? Uh, I'm 29. 29. Okay, so do you you have some recollection of the Barry Sander years and in, in the 90s? Oh yeah, I mean, he okay. was obviously my favorite player growing up. He's, sure. He's he was an idol because I'm I'm a short man myself, so he always kind of gave me that inspiration 
to uh, to try football, although it didn't quite work out as well for me as it did for him. Right. <laughs> but um, he was he was always just an inspiration to me, not only because he was great and small, but because he was so humble and and you know not not one of those flashy guys. He's someone who realized he was talented, but didn't didn't flaunt it. And to me, that that was something you didn't see that often, and something you really don't see that often now either. Yeah. So it just personality-wise, he was the best. I mean, I would argue he's he's the best running back, but that's a whole different conversation. And <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking to a guy from the wrong team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Argument, I'm, I'm not gonna get into that now. <laughs> you don't want this thing going three hours. Yeah. So, um, yeah we'll be here all day. <laughs> but he was just he was just the perfect athlete to to kind of hone my my lion's passion sure and and i think that goes with most people for my generation or you know even before me just like he was he was the lions and he remains like the the figurehead of what we want a lion to be which is why someone like calvin johnson who kind of has that same type of personality is also as beloved as as pretty much he was Right. And I, and I think that that someone that that kind of fits that mold as far as, you know, he's truly one of the greats. Can you argue as being one of the best of all time, but still probably one of the most genuinely humble people in the league is Peyton Manning. Right. You know, one of those guys that uh, you would think with the guy's accomplishments, he would never be the way he is. But, you know, he is the you know, just a great all around person, not just a fantastic football player. Yeah. So I ask about the Barry Sanders years because I've asked everyone uh, that I've spoken to, like, what is your favorite or, you know, like your defining moment as a fan, um, you know, whether it be growing up or something that just like the first thing that comes to mind whenever you're like, what's your favorite Lions moment for you? It would be. That's that's a little tough. I, I would love I'm pretty sh- like when Barry Sanders hit 2000 yards, I'm 90 percent sure I was there. But I was so young that my memory isn't my memory's never been very good, so I don't quite remember being there or the moment with in which it happened. So I, I'll have to go something more recent and it was probably the game Well, okay, I'll I'll have to go with um it was actually one of the games I attended while I was here in Los Angeles. It was Oakland two thousand wanna say eleven. Um, me and four of my crazy friends got tickets in the black hole. And this was the year that the Lions eventually made the playoffs for the first time in over 10 years. And this was the game right before they clinched it. So the Lions were down pretty much the entire game and they had to go, I think it was 97 yards to manage the winning score. And, and they did. And and then at the very end of the game, Sue blocked Sebastian Janikowski's like 67-yard field goal attempts. And right before he was lining up to make that field goal, I was just kind of looking with my friends. I'm like, do we want him to make this or miss it? Because if he <laughs> makes it, we're going to get so uh, – if he misses it, we might get stabbed. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. We're surrounded. We've we haven't been that loud this game, but we've certainly made our presence known, especially after the Lions scored the go ahead the goal had touchdown. And if he makes it, you know the Lions' playoffs chances are are probably doomed. And so just like that, those moments of anticipation of not knowing exactly what you want mm-hmm. were was horrifying. And and 
everything turned out awesome in the end. Everyone was actually super nice to us the entire time. The worst we had, I think, was like a churro thrown at us. But that that to me is is the moment that that all of like the anxiety of being a Lions fan finally gave way to ten minutes of of intense joy, which is not something that I uh, take lightly as a Lions fan. You know, you you were mentioned that uh, that Barry Sanders breaking the two thousand yard and not having much recollection of it. Yeah. I have a I have a similar story in regard to and. My, my listeners have heard me tell the story before, was that I was at Soldier Field when Walter Payton broke Jim Brown's rushing record mm-hmm. in 84. I was only six, but right. I don't remember the moment that it happened or anything like that, but I do remember being in Soldier Field. I remember it was raining that day because we were wearing ponchos. Uh, <laughs> I remember that we were, we were, our seats were on the goal line, and Walter Payton did one of his diving over-the-top touchdowns right in front of me. Yeah, you know, I remember all of those moments, but not the actual historic moment that right. I was there for. So that's probably, you know, like if you were in the stadium, I don't remember actually the moment that it all happened, but you know, just being there uh, was probably, you know, pretty great all in itself. Right, and plus, I mean, it probably was a lot harder back then to know exactly when the streak was broken. You can't be, you know, checking your phone to see, oh, was he at two thousand or whatever number it was. Yeah. I'm sure there was an announcement after it happened, but like, you probably can't pinpoint. It was probably hard to pinpoint that exact moment when it did. Yeah, f- fantasy football wasn't exactly <laughs> what it is today, so right. you know, there wasn't this need for you know the the scoreboard to be constantly updating what the the stats were and and all that kind of stuff. So exactly. So speaking of of Barry Sanders uh, and uh, nine and uh, you know the success that they had in the '90s. It's been since the Barry Sanders era that the boys in silver and blue have been to the playoffs back-to-back. Um, the last time they went was in 2011, then followed that up with two sub-500 seasons, only to rebound last year yeah. under Jim Caldwell uh, to go 11-5 and five, and actually had a chance to win the division Week 17 against, uh, against Green Bay, correct? They would have won the division had they done that, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. They would have had to do something they haven't done. I think it's since '93, which is win in Lambo. Win in Lambo, yeah. That's yeah. Never an easy task, as I'm no. sure Bears fans know. Yeah, we, we we like to we like to play with it. Uh, when when Lovey first came to Chicago, he won either his first two or three trips mm-hmm. to Lambo, and then I don't think he ever won there again until we fired him in in 2012. So I right. I think he you know he got that thing off on the right foot by winning there a few times. And then just kind of spiraled out of control from there, but um, you know they go eleven and five. They 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 uh, they win the wild. They take the wild card. They go to Dallas, mm-hmm. leading that thing into the fourth quarter. And then the thing goes sideways. First of all, your your punter uh, just kind of signified your entire season as far as special teams uh, is concerned because you had so yeah. many problems with kickers and you know your return game wasn't uh, wasn't all that great. But he shanks a punt. Gives the Dallas a short field, they turn it into the lead, and then that uh, probably now infamous pass interference flag that got picked up, yeah. uh, you know, ended up costing the Lions the, a game that I thought they should have won. Uh, to be honest with you, I was, uh, you know, as as funny as this is going to sound when I say something later on in the show, I was actually pulling for you guys uh, to win that one. So, well, I mean, it's the Cowboys. Who who's rooting for the Cowboys? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a good uh, it's a good point. So. The funny thing was, I was rooting for the Cowboys a week later when they were playing the Stinking Packers. But oh, that, you know, that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's, 
you know, it's the playoffs, <laughs> and we as Bear fans who are sitting on the sidelines, we can flip-flop as much as we want. So, <laughs> so I was going with, uh, you know, I wanted to see you guys win that one because I, I just I can't stand Tony Romo, to be honest with you. But, um, right. you know, so, so talk about that game. I mean, I know that there's probably still got to have, like, some sour taste oh, yeah. in your mouth I, because of the way it ended. Yeah, as, as you know, a sports writer, I tend to rewatch games three to four times. I'll be honest, I, I still have not rewatched that one, and I don't know if I will ever gr- gain the courage to re- rewatch it. It was it was brutal as a fan. The Lions haven't, they've only won one playoff game in the Super Bowl era. Mm-hmm. Just let that set in for a minute and think about that. Yeah, one, it was against the Cowboys in 91. Yeah, yeah. I remember that game. And so I was I was like five years old when that happened. No recollection of it happened. I don't know what it's like when the Lions win a playoff game i just i don't know what that feels like i I, there's got to be a word for that emotion but i don't know it (laughs) um and so the lines jump onto a a 14 nothing lead their their offense is rolling probably for the first time since i hate to bring this up they played the bears the first time around the season last season Uh and everything's just going right and then you kind of sensed a turn in the game right around halftime. Um, the Lions, I think one of their, I don't even know who's playing the nickel corner spot that game, but they went down early in the game. And then the Lions just had no no response for, I think it was Miles Austin who, who just started tearing it up. And, um, and then there was the pass interference call. And then there was the fact that the next play was fourth and one, and Jim Caldwell tried to roll out there and do the, try to get them to jump off sides thing. It didn't work. And then the shanked punt. And then Dallas runs down the field with a couple pass interference calls of their own. And it just all spiraled out from there. And I I just, I drove all my anger towards Jim Caldwell for not going for it on that fourth down because I feel like that could have changed the narrative of the game completely. Right. We, we wouldn't be talking about the pass interference call at all. But to be honest, there was a lot that just kind of fell apart there. You can't just point it to that one decision or anything like that. What I did find interesting, though, was that I feel like that game set off a curse in the NFC during the playoffs. So after that game, Dallas loses to Green Bay on that Des Bryant catch that could have been considered a catch, but Lions fans well know about the Kelvin Johnson rule and all knew that that call was going to be incomplete so it right. felt that was a very satisfying way for the si- for the Cowboys season to end especially after frustrating the Lions the week before and then the next week Green Bay loses to Seattle in this crazy overtime game that they had wrapped up in the in the first three quarters yeah and then Seattle <laughs> loses the Super Bowl on one of the most insane plays in Super Bowl history. Insane in so many levels. In, <laughs> yeah. Insane that they didn't run the ball. Insane in the way that that guy pretty much came out of nowhere and picked it off. And it, right. just insane on, on so many different levels. But you're right. That's that's a hell of a way to put it. I've never never heard it, um, you know, yeah. that whole curse of the NFC thing. Uh, <laughs> never heard it brought to the table quite like that. That's that's pretty good. Hopefully some curses in for the Patriots this year. I guess I guess you could say Deflategate was the curse continuing. <laughs> Yeah, so especially if uh, <laughs> if that suspension holds through and, and Brady has to sit those four games, yeah, yeah, it would uh, be interesting. So, last year was was year one under Jim uh, Caldwell. Um, 
I got to be honest with you. When I heard, not that I, not that he was a bad coach in Indianapolis, but I, I just didn't think that he was the right fit for Detroit yeah. because of Jim Schwartz more than anything else. Right. Um, you know, when we were emailing each other and, and trying to set up a time, to, I remember I, I mentioned to you that even though Green Bay is our biggest rival, you guys are my most hated <laughs> rival. And that was because more so than anything, that under Jim Schwartz, you guys were arrogant for the sake of being arrogant. Right. You know, not because you were super talented or you won <laughs> a lot of football games, but you were just arrogant for the sake of being arrogant. And I could not stand you guys, which meant I couldn't stand losing to you that much more. <laughs> right. Um, so, but last year, you know, the Lions were not like that. They, yeah. You know, at least not that I could read in, in the two games that we played. Uh, against the Lions so it seemed like he came in and he must have been the right fit because the demeanor of the team changed and you guys started winning football games yeah and I think in that sense the hire did make a lot of sense because Jim Caldwell was basically everything that that Jim Schwartz was not right he's not the hothead he's not the guy who's gonna embarrass you with a you know post-interview press conference or explode on the sidelines or you know go Attack oh. Jim Harbaugh on the fifty-yard line. Yeah, exactly, was... exactly. Yeah. Who I've uh, I've changed my tune on Jim Harbaugh a little bit ever since he got hired by University of Michigan, but that's a whole different story. Right. Um, so yeah, I think in in sense of demeanor, he was just the very opposite of Jim Schwartz, and that's obviously what they were going for. Now, whether that's changed a whole lot in the demeanor of the team, it's debatable. I mean, I, I do point to I think it was the away game against the Bears last year where. Um, I'm trying to remember who. Well, was is that the game that Sue stepped on someone, or was that the week before? I can't remember. I think it was. And then there was also Jimmy Clausen. I remember he got his yeah. helmet knocked off in that game, and I think he got concussed, and he was all mad and stuff. So, I mean, the perception of the team varies based, I think, more on the media perception of them than than reality. Um, but with Sue gone now, I do think that they'll they'll look like a different team. And and more importantly, last year, the defense, while they may have still looked very aggressive, they actually backed that up that year. The defense was okay against Jim Schwartz, but last year against uh, under Jim Caldwell and more importantly, their new defensive coordinator Terrell Austin. Yeah. The Lions were one of the best defenses in the league, yeah. argu- arguably top five. So since they kind of had that validity to them, I think the the perception of them being dirty or, or you know, illegal or whatever, I think that kind of fades away when, when they're actually winning the team games. Right. And, you know, now that I remember uh, the, the Sue stepping, that was Aaron Rodgers that he stepped oh, on. That's right. It was one of your offensive linemen. And maybe it was Rayola or oh, somebody. Right. Yep. That, it was Rayola. It, it, that, that stepped on, I think, like Ego Ferguson or yeah. something like that in the. Uh, it was one of the offensive. He was because he was suspended yeah. for the game after. That's right. The Bears he, game. he was suspended for the Bears game. It was Rayola. That's right. So. And, and now he's gone too. So. Yes. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> subtractions there. Um, and they all pretty much are all happening up front. You know, you lost uh, Indomitian Sue. That was the big story going right. into free agency. And actually, it was a, you know, you're surprised that a team 
can cannot let something like that distract them because that was a big story going into the season all throughout the year it was the kind of the theme of the will he or won't he will they or won't they sign him you know will they give him the franchise tag and pay him 27 million dollars next year uh and all that so he finally goes he's off in miami like lebron he took his talents to south beach so uh then nick fairly follows him out the door and i don't know if that was an amicable thing or if that was just yeah that seemed like something that the lines just they weren't that interested in keeping him around he's always kind of been a hard guy to motivate and while his potential is huge it it never it never fully formulated in Detroit and I don't think they're that disheartened by his loss and in terms of the loss of Sue obviously that's going to hurt the team um, but I think in terms of short-term fixes the Lions did pretty much the best they could in in roping Haloti Nada pretty early like right before free agency started yeah for, um uh, and yeah, I, I just think the Lions did the best they could, um, but they haven't they haven't reeled Nada in for a long term deal. So unless they have a long term plan that uh, no one knows of yet, missing out on Sue is really going to hurt them more so down the line in three four years when Sue's still playing at his full potential and Nada, if he's still in Detroit, he's going to be edging towards retirement. Right. So I mean, he is already thirty one. Right, uh, Nada. So the, you guys got him for a fourth and a fifth round pick, which seems like a bargain for someone of his stature, as far as being that rock in the middle uh, of the defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, C.J. Mosley also is uh, gone, but he was more of a role player, backup guy. George Johnson, defensive end, is gone as well. On the offensive side, Dominic Riola, who we talked about, is gone. Rob Sims uh, is gone as well, but. You know, it seemed like with, with the subtractions that were made, you guys made additions to compensate for it. You draft Lincoln Tomlinson in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have Larry Warford, who was a third-round pick, I believe, for a year or two ago. Yep. Um, and then, like you said, we got uh, uh, Holadi Nada. You drafted Gabe Wright in the third round from Auburn and mm-hmm. signed Tyron Walker from the uh, Saints. Yeah. You know, so you kind of fill the gaps. When somebody left, you pulled somebody else in that spot so it's just a matter of how well will they perform will they how much will we miss what we've lost exactly and and i think the uh the the signing there that's kind of under the radar there is the tyron walker signing from new orleans he was kind of an up-and-coming guy in new orleans and while he wasn't technically a starter yet he was getting significant snaps there and i think the patriots tried to make a run at him and he he's right now he's slotted to be in that starter spot next to Nada, and uh, him along with Karen Reed, who I guess has been impressing in OTAs, are really going to have a lot of significant snaps this year, and they've had a lot of experience as rotational guys anyways because uh, Nick Fairley wasn't kind of the guy who's going to play 90% of the snaps anyways, and last year he was injured for the last half of the season. So these guys have plenty of experience, and, and they've – uh, they've played well in their roles. Now the roles are just going to be a little bigger, and they'll have to see if they can keep up that sort of production with increased snaps. Right. Now, you know, like one of the things that, that made you guys so potent last year was that pretty much everybody on the line except for Sue was going one-on-one with their yeah. guy because right. Sue was eating up some two, sometimes three blockers. So that left Ziggy Ansah and um, was it Jason? 
Jason Jones play a little bit. Jones, that's right. Yeah. Uh, On the other side, left him one on one on an island with a tackle. You know, we're able to. Uh, you know, it's it's up to you whether you're going to get to the quarterback or not. Instead right. of uh, you know having somebody fill in on on the outsides, you know, hopefully Nada can fill that spot. And, yeah. You know, be that guy that's eating up blockers to leave everybody else one on one. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's going to make more more work for you guys. Right. And more so than even rushing the passer, the the Lions' identity was really stopping the run. They had the number one run defense by a pretty large margin yeah. last year. Yeah. And so Sue, you know, taking up double teams, freeing up linebackers on the se- second level, especially players like DeAndre Levy, who goes criminally overlooked. Um, he can just, you know, he has those holes just to dart right there in the backfield, make a tackle for loss. And that's that's how that defense got the offense in a hole, is just making them completely one-dimensional. And not a should be that guy, but he's not going to, you can't expect him to be as good as Sue because as good as Sue was, perhaps what made him even better was the fact that he was that 90% snap guy. He would be in there almost every snap and his endurance was incredible. And obviously, hello, Dinato, you said it's 31. He's not going to have that, but he does, you know, he has skills. He's been with Jim Caldwell before in Baltimore so he knows the system. He knows what makes this defense tick. So, like I said, I just think it's the best alliance could could potentially hope for in one offseason of trying to replace someone as amazing as Indominus Sue. Right. So let's flip things over to the offensive side, where last year the offense, um, you know, Matt Stafford, his interceptions went down, so he's making fewer mistakes, mm-hmm. but his touchdowns went down. As well, this is a quarterback that usually throws in the upper 30s as far as touchdowns. He only threw 22 right. last year. And the offense overall, which for a while there was in the top five, uh, you know, they were scoring points, all the yardage because Stafford's throwing for 450 a game and things like that was right. 19th. But a lot of that was due to the fact your rushing game was 28th in the NFL yeah. last year. Yeah. So Reggie Bush is gone. He's out of there. You're you're trying to clear up things with the offensive line, um, you know. Joyke Bell is he ever going to be healthy enough to be contributor for you guys? Or he, I think he will be. He, I know he's going through some stuff this off season, but he's generally been fairly durable. I know he he recently went on record as saying he expects to get 1,200 rushing yards this season, and I don't think that's very realistic, <laughs> especially with um, Amir Abdullah, the Lions' second round pick, right? Um, being very impressive in in OTAs. Uh, I think the the hope is that Amir Abdullah eventually takes over the starter job this season. I don't think he'll start there. Um, but under uh, Joe Lombardi, who uh, used to be New Orleans, he's the new offensive coordinator here as of last year, um, they've always kind of been running back by committee in New Orleans, and that's kind of what the Lions are hoping for as well. Um, I think Joyke Bell... Joyke Bell's always been a good runner. He always has good vision he always kind of falls forward but he's never the guy that's going to explode and you know get you an 80 yard run or anything like that and that's what they're hoping Amir Abdullah is not only with his rushing abilities but with his receiving abilities so I think the rushing game should be better especially with them working on the interior of that line they'll have a new center um, who they've been kind of grooming for a year or two um, and and then with Lakin Tomlinson and I'm uh, not Rob Sims um, Lakin Tomlinson and Larry Warford, um, 
with another year of experience under his belt. They should be better in the interior of that line, and that should really improve uh, all of the offense, getting that running game going, um, hopefully leading to some protection for Stafford as well with that running threat. Um, and then I think the biggest, well, not the biggest issue. I, I want to say one one of the issues last year is just they, they played a more conservative style, and that's why you saw less touchdowns, but it's also why you saw less interceptions. Right. They kind of reeled Stafford in a little bit, um, didn't want him making as many mistakes, but in turn, his yardage was way down, his touchdowns were way down, and our the Lions' explosions, explosion plays in general were way down. So it was a bit disappointing to see, but... At the same time, the Lions won 11 games, so it's hard to be too angry about that. Right. It's just, it, it's a change in identity for the Lions. We're used to kind of that, under Scott Linehan, that throw the ball down the field, just kind of live life on the edge on offense, and then defense do what you can. Now they're transitioning to a team that's defense first, offense just hold the lead. And, and it for, for, for a long time, I'd always kind of viewed... Um, the Lions would only run when they had to yeah. instead of running as part of the game plan to, you know, advance the ball forward or to eat up clock, uh, you know, to keep their defense off the field or anything like that. It's just like we're going to go out there and, you know, our defense is what it is. If we have to score 40 points to win a game, then that's what we're going to have to yeah. do because, um, that you know, you guys got involved in a lot of shootouts as far as, you know, Basically, your 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 offense was like playing a game of Madden. Whoever had the ball last was probably going to win the game yeah. uh, somehow. And if yeah. Stafford managed not to turn over the football, you guys would usually win. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's definitely how it went. Stafford early in his career had a ton of fourth quarter comebacks, and that's kind of what he became known for here in Detroit. He started out his rookie year against uh, against Cleveland. One of like the most iconic moments of his career came in his first year because he was also mic'd up that game. It was, he, he separated his shoulder. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he came back cause there was a pass interference with no time on the clock. And this was, mind you, this is a meaningless game for the lines. They're like four and 10 at the time or something like that. And he separates his shoulder, drags himself back on the field after trainers are trying to hold him back and throws a one yard touchdown to win the game. And that's just that's kind of how he's become defined as in Detroit, um, at least early in his career. Now, now that he's been healthy for three seasons or so, um, you know, people are starting to pick holes apart in his game, and, and rightfully so. But to me, he'll always be that quarterback who just who inspired a generation of decent Detroit Lions football. Maybe not elite, certainly not elite, but respectable once again which is something that Lions fan had been without for at least a decade did you see the NFL films clip of that oh yeah yeah I watched that at the beginning of every every season and it still <laughs> it still gives me chills in fact I'm getting chills just thinking about it it's it's an amazing piece of film and if if you haven't seen it out there I highly recommend it even if you are a Bears fan and you hate the Lions it's really a really cool you know 10 minutes that you get to watch yeah, I mean, my, my attitude towards the line, like I said, I, it, I, it, it feels like, for me anyway, like it, like it changed a little bit last year because, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I couldn't stand Jim Schwartz. I thought the guy was a douchebag, to be yeah. honest with you. And, you know, uh, you know I, I'd seen not just things against the Bears, but other teams. I remember, you know, that whole thing with Harbaugh and the handshake that almost right. turned into a fist fight. <laughs> right. And there was mm-hmm. one game where you guys beat the Redskins, 
and Schwartz runs off the field by like throwing his headset. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the headset spike that became yeah, a. Uh, or, <laughs> he did it several times. To be like, honest, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> why? Why did he do that? It's, you know, he either spiked, but I think this is one where he actually like threw it yeah. somewhere. Like yeah. if whoever the kid that's supposed to get his headset was like on the other side of the field, so he threw it at him or something like that. But he like launches the headset out there and just starts running into the field to, I guess, shake hands with whoever the Redskins coach was at the time. But it's just like he was notorious for doing things like that. And the team reflected his attitude. Sure. And, yeah. and that made you guys very unlikable in my eyes and right. uh, made me like it even less when we managed to lose to you guys. <laughs> Yeah, I think Lions fandom kind of, they took on that sort of swag. I mean, I'm calling it swagger. I'm sure you would call it douchebaggery um, <laughs> during that time just because he he did get the Lions to their first playoffs in, in, in a decade, and it felt good, and we wanted to kind of, you know, express our, our dominance for once in some sort of way, and I guess this animated character in Jim Schwartz Felt felt appropriate for us at the time, just because he was he was letting loose so much frustration that we were feeling at the same time. But you know, in retrospect, it all does look silly and juvenile and ridiculous. <laughs> and um, now that the Lions have had you know a modicum of success for a couple of years, I think we're finally learning to act like we've been there before. Even though when it comes to playoff wins, we haven't really been there before. Um, but yeah. It was just a silly couple of years. I, I look back on it as as a time where it was fun, but you know it's, it's just kind of like your teenage years or maybe your college years. Yeah, it, it's it's stupid fun, yeah. and you know you're being immature and idiotic, but you you wanted to live in that moment forever, so you're you're acting like an ass. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, apparently, I, I I read that um, I didn't get to see it actually. When Schwartz came to town last year with the oh, Bills, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> they carried him off the field. Yeah, yeah, the Bills. Uh, they kicked a, a, a game-winning field goal in Ford Field, and he was carried off the field. And word got out, and I don't know if this ended up being true or not, that he he had asked the team prior to the game if they win for him to get carried off on the field, which seems insane for yeah. a grown man to request that just to shove it in their face, but I I can specifically remember the exact picture of him being carried off on the field that was all over in newspapers and blogs the next day, and it is infuriating. Yeah, <laughs> infuriating. I mean, that just, that just kind of sums him up, doesn't it? Yeah, because it feels like we've grown up from that time of being immature, and he clearly has not, but, you know, now yeah. he's out of the league, so... <laughs> Is he out of the league? Well, yeah, he's yeah, definitely not Buffalo, working for yeah. Ryan. He's not working yeah, for Ryan. Rex That's... Ryan didn't didn't renew his contract, so he's uh he's taking a year off. Uh huh. So is that what the kids are calling it these days? <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. So still on the offensive side, you know, you guys probably have one of the better one-two punches in the league as far as your receivers yeah. um, are concerned. You have Golden Tate, who actually led the team uh, in reception and yardage mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Um, you know, Megatron still caught what, 70, 71, 72, something like that? Something like that, yeah. I mean, he was injured for a good portion of the season, and that's what Golden Tate was really, really big for the team is he, he basically took over the offense once Calvin was gone, 
gone and and really gave the Lions a handed them a couple wins that they desperately needed in the middle of the season there. Yeah, and still managed to um Megatron anyway, still managed yeah. to have over a thousand yards uh receiving, correct? Yeah. yeah I think that's did. right, yeah. Yeah, and um uh Golden Tate almost fourteen hundred yeah. yards um uh last season. But who are who's number three, who's number four? Well, you know, where's where's your depth at as far as the receivers go? That is a great question. Um, the Lions are, are still kind of searching for that third guy, as I feel like they have been ever since Calvin Johnson was with them. Um, as much as it, it pains a lot of Detroit fans, it, it looks like right now Jeremy Ross might be winning that job. Um, he was also the, the kick returner last for the last couple of years, and I think that's why he's kind of leading the charge there. Um, but he kind of fell out of favor. Lions fans last year after his uh, pretty poor job returning kicks. Although, like you were mentioning before, pretty much nothing went right on special teams last year. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I was reading. Yeah, that the you know I didn't uh, didn't quite realize it was that big a mess uh, for you guys because honestly I didn't even remember the shank punt in in the Dallas game. Yeah, but you know I have three different NFL preview magazines and all three of them mentioned the shank punt. The problems that you you went through this what three kickers last yeah. year? Yeah, we drafted one and he was gone after two games and right. Then another one came in and out very quickly and hopefully the Lions have kind of settled in with Matt Prater. They kind of lucked into to the Broncos letting him go for some reason, um, but after his suspension last year, the Lions swiped him up and he he wasn't great, but he was someone that we didn't have to completely worry about anytime he lined up for a kick trying to pull Jason Hansen to, to kick for a 25th season for you guys or you know I, I think Lions fans are still knocking on his door and <laughs> it's probably the same guys that are still knocking on Barry's door to come back but right. um, but in terms of, of going back to the receiver thing really their their third receiver this year is hopefully going to be Eric Ebron their tight end mm. um, he's he's also been impressing in camp again um, but he had a pretty disappointing season by most standards last year um, in his rookie year. But this year, he's really expected to make a huge jump in offensive production. And we saw shadows of it last year. I think we're really going to see him break out this year. Maybe not maybe not to top five tight end in the league breakout, but he should be, at, at the very least, the Lions' third leading receiver this year. Yeah, I, I think as far as, um, you know, when you go 11-5 and five and you make the playoffs, there's not a lot to be disappointed in, but... When you pick a guy tenth overall, um, you know in in the draft, and he doesn't have one of those shining moment type seasons, that that can be uh, pretty disappointing. But they do always say that uh, young players tend to make their biggest leap between years one and two. So right. this would uh, this would be a good time for for Ebron to live up to his draft stock. Yeah, and the Lions have always seemed to have had some sort of issue with their with their tight ends. They drafted Brandon Pettigrew about right. five, six years ago, and he was expected to kind of be that guy, yeah. but also do some blocking. And though he's still with the team, he, he never quite lived up to the hype. He also kind of got the reputation for dropping a lot of balls, fumbling yeah. a lot. Um, and that's kind of the worry with Eric Ebron as well, that he's kind of a fumbler and a dropper. But... Um, it's still really early in his career, and I'm not ready to label him as anything, whether he's you know going to be a breakout star or, or a bust. He's got a lot of time to to write his legacy, and I, I 
I'm hoping for a breakout year. I think we'll certainly see a better year than we saw last year. Um, but uh, his uh, the book has yet to be written on him, so we'll we'll see. Right now, as far as uh, Pettigrew mm-hmm. goes, I was surprised to hear that he was still around even after you guys took another tight end in the first round. Yeah, um, I do remember 2012 uh, Monday night game in Chicago where I think Peanut Tillman punched the ball out of his hands twice. Yeah, in the same game. That sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> so to hear that he's like got a, fun, a reputation for fumbles, like, well, maybe it, maybe it just wasn't Peanut being awesome that <laughs> night. It's like maybe this is what Ben and Pettigrew, you, uh, his reputation is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but I mean that's that's Peanut's style, though, right? Yeah, he just made it look easy that night. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> so if that's what uh, Pettigrew seemed to be good at, uh, yeah, you know, Peanut, Peanut just took advantage of it. Yeah, and now Pettigrew's role is pretty much just a a blocker. He. He catches the ball here and there, but he he's really the best uh, blocking tight end that the Lions have right now. Um, so in, in rushing situations, you'll probably see him in there. In terms of Ebron, you'll probably see him more wide out as a slot receiver. Occasionally he'll be in the block, but I think his his, his strengths are definitely in the receiving game. So um, you'll, you'll see them on the field probably a lot at the same time, but um, don't expect Ebron to be lined up too often or to see Brandon Pettigrew out there in the slot trying to receive a lot of catches. Right. Now, um, you know, we know that uh, Tomlinson, he's going to be a starter. Uh, he's your first-round pick. Ab- uh, Abdullah is going to be a contributor at the very least uh, in his mm-hmm. rookie season. Who else on the in the draft class are you guys excited about? Um, I would say we're – the one I'm most – intrigued in right now is is Quandre Diggs, their sixth round pick. He's kind of um, been jumping out, out in training camp as well. Um, but he's he could potentially be the fix to the Lions slot corner issue that, that plagued him towards the end of the last season. They just dealt with numerous, numerous injuries at the beginning of the year at the slot corner position, which doesn't seem that important. But when you're playing teams like Green Bay or when you get into the playoffs and you're playing teams like uh, Dallas, you know, these these teams that will really spread out your defense. You really need that third corner to be strong against one of those shifty wide receivers. Yeah. So Quandre Diggs um, is going to be in the battle there. Um, the Lions brought in a couple people to fix that position. Unfortunately, um, Bill Bentley, who was someone they drafted a couple of years ago hoping to fill that spot, they, they let him go uh, a couple weeks ago just because he couldn't get off the injury bug. So Quandre Diggs is kind of the guy that um, I'm expecting to at least make a charge for that spot. I don't know if he's – I don't really expect him to be in the starter role this year unless an injury kind of forces him in there. But he's definitely someone to keep an eye out on. Um, other than that, um, their third-round pick, Alex Carter, another corner, is kind of an intriguing guy who's going to come up and probably be the Lions' number two guy. At least that's what their plan for him is. Um, but the the endless career of Rasheen Mathis is probably going to take over that spot for the majority of this year, um, and I don't think there's enough that you can say about that guy. Um, he he was the savior in the Lions' kind of thin secondary last year, and the fact that he's still going and still producing is is amazing. And uh, yeah, what is he like? Thirty five? Yeah, I, I think so. 
Somewhere between 35 and 80, I think. Yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know what, I was, I actually, when I was reading up on, uh, you know, getting ready for the show, I read about Rasheen Matt, I was like, is he still in the league? Yeah. And then when I when I looked, it said he was drafted in 03 by the Jaguars. <laughs> right. So this would be his 13th year uh, yeah. in the NFL. So let's just say that, you know, he came into the league at 22. That would put him right at about 35 years old as he, you know, or at least maybe sometime during the season he's going to turn 35. That's for a yeah. cornerback. That's that's actually pretty up there. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And and there was a question whether they'd bring him back this year because I think he was only on a, a couple year contract and expired last year. And I know all Lions fans were pulling for it. Obviously, the line the Lions need to prepare for a future without them, and I think they did by by drafting uh, a couple corners this year. But Rasheen just. It was it was weird to see because he was just he was a kind of low level signing when the Lions signed him a couple of years ago, and he just grew to be an extremely solid number two corner that we could rely on and and not only rely on but really need in the lineup and he really proved it all of last year when the Lions defense was one of the best in the league. Right. So let's talk about this schedule as we start to wind things down here. You have. I, and, and I'm fancy myself somewhat of an amateur graphic artist here. So I, you know, <laughs> to keep myself busy, my little hobby is, you know, I, I like when the schedule comes out, I like to make team schedules and things like that. So I'm pretty much familiar with just about everybody's schedule. When I saw yours, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, um, does the NFL not want Detroit to succeed? Because... <laughs> They've got you start, and it's it happens on both ends of the contract or contract the the schedule. Mm-hmm. You start with three out of four games on the road, and you finish with three out of four games on the road this year. Yeah, there's this there's this weird thing about the schedule where they have two stretches of three games, three games when they're at, home. they're at home. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think I've ever seen that before. But you're right. It it's they've got three. I mean, to start the year, they're at San Diego. At Minnesota, which is always a tough place to play, mm-hmm. and then their one home game is against the Broncos on Sunday Night Football, and then they go Monday Night at Seattle. Right. It's like that's that's a pretty brutal way to start the season, and they could easily start the year one and three, or you know, God forbid, zero oh and four. So it's definitely a challenge, like you said, kind of at the at both ends of that schedule, and then it's it's a little cushy in the in the middle, but it's. It's a really weird schedule. Something that you just don't really see that often. Yeah, and the the uh, the first four games, like you said, at San Diego, at Minnesota, home for Denver, away at Seattle. Then you have three straight home games: right. Arizona, Chicago, Minnesota. Then you go overseas to London to right. play the Chiefs. Yep. And then you're on a bye. Yep. And then you're at Green Bay. And then three more home games: Oakland, Philadelphia, and then Green Bay again. So, even though you've it's you know you've got a, a few weeks in between, you're playing six out of eight at home, and then yeah. finish with three out of four on the road to to to, to finish up the uh, year at St. Louis, at New Orleans, home for the 49ers, and then you finish in Chicago uh, yeah. against the Bears. So it's when I looked at the schedule, it's like wow, it's, it's like. Because you know, I'm typing this up as I'm making these these schedules, and it was like, is this right? I have to go back and look at this again. <laughs> yeah, and it is three out of four to start on the road, three out of f- four to to finish 
on the road and, and those two stretches of three straight <laughs> home games it's uh one it's of the weirder bizarre. schedules i've seen yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, i haven't quite seen that uh seen it uh, that way before <laughs> but as far as the the nightmare in the beginning um i think we got you beat because we have i mean granted we're at home for the first two games but we got green bay and arizona okay and yeah. then we also travel to seattle just before right. you guys do Right. Uh, week three and so when i looked at that i was like wow that's that could be zero and three no problem yeah you got you know. getting that defensive you're getting your defense tested out real quick seeing if they're making any sort of turnaround against oh, arizona sure. and green bay yeah so that's... i mean they're going to be put to the test and then <laughs> russell wilson and the seahawks keep them on their toes uh yeah. uh as well so it's uh yeah those first three weeks that's going to be tough that's going to yeah. be tough so but um, you know, I, when I was looking at the schedule, I, it's uh, you know, like I said, never quite seen one like that, so grouped up the way that it is. Yeah, it just it just doesn't look right. I don't I don't know if it's good or bad. It just looks weird. It looks like they made like you said. It looks like they made a mistake somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it 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 kind of does. It it almost reminds me of uh, the Bears' 2013 schedule. Throughout the entire schedule, it was. Two on the road, two at home. Two on the road, two at home. Two on the road, two at The whole schedule was just like that. Back to back, two in the road, two at home. Two on the road, two at home. It was like that throughout the whole season. I was That's like, what? Weird. That yeah. is weird. It's, you know, it's like that, that maybe that was the template, and then they, they're supposed to switch that around, and they just never got around to it <laughs> For the uh, or something. It just kind of worked out that way. So Yeah. All right, Jeremy, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap things up here. Um, we um, play each other, let's see, week one, two, three, four, five, six, looks like week seven? Uh, week six is what I got, yeah. Week, week, six. week six, you're right. Yeah. I just don't know how to count all of a sudden. <laughs> there it is, week number six, yes, and then obviously week number 17, uh, as division rivals, we get to play each other twice. Um, what I'd like to do is uh, have you back week six, because I do two episodes a week during the season. Okay. We do a preview episode and a review episode. The review episode is just me either complaining or <laughs> celebrating, one of the two, so I don't need any help with that one. Sure. But I would like to have you back for the preview episode to kind of talk about, um, you know, especially for fellas in our situation where our, our schedules get off to a disastrous start as far as how they look on paper, yeah. to see where the Bears and Lions are going into week six. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, just uh, compare notes and like, well, we're one in four. How are you guys doing? You know that kind of thing. So sure, yeah, we can we can wallow in our tears together. I'm 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 okay with that. <laughs> well, let, let's bond over our misery, Jeremy. Let's let's do that. Absolutely. So uh, you know, and then week seventeen, we'll uh, see if that game means anything to either of us at the end right. of the uh, season. I think you guys got a better chance than we do right now because when I look at the NFC North, I see Green Bay is is Green Bay. There's really no mystery yeah. there. Um, the Lions, the only thing that's, that's fighting you guys right now, I would say, is history. Because, <laughs> because, you know, when you've made the playoffs, it's been since the 90s, you know, like 94, 95, I think, to be specific, when you guys went to the playoffs back-to-back. So you guys can do it, but will you is the real question there. The Vikings are the team that scares me. Oh, yeah. Because they got Peterson back, Bridgewater's year number two, their defense got better as the year went along. And then yeah. the Bears, as well as I know the team, I don't know this team. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect. 
yeah. from them, what Gase's offense is going to be like for the Bears, what this defense is going to look like. With you know, in, in some cases we've got people perfect for the defense, and in some cases we're like shoehorning this guy into this spot because he's who we have right, right now. So this first year out of the gate for the Bears, I have no idea what to yeah. expect. I mean, we could finish four and twelve, we could go twelve and four. I don't think any would really surprise me to be honest with you like just because i'm not sure what to expect so it's like breaking down the nfc north that's just kind of how i'm looking at it right now like you know you guys definitely frighten me as far as your potential and the fact that you guys lived up to it last year especially without schwartz uh, you know pulling the reins on you uh anymore but um you know like i said history has a way of catching up with you guys as far as something happens (laughs) That two years in a row playing football in January hasn't worked out for you since, you know, for for a long time. Right, right, yeah, and yeah, I think with the NFC North, it's basically you got Green Bay at the top, and then you got three question marks following them. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know where to expect the Lions this year. I, I expect them to be somewhere between the six and ten and eleven and five, <laughs> but it, it could be, it could be anywhere in there, and that. <laughs> Leaving uh, yourself a lot of room. Yeah, as as that's it. not exactly a bold prediction. Yeah. But. <laughs> you know, somewhere between 0 and 16 and, you know, 8 and 8, you know, we're going to fall somewhere in there, I think. I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much uh, for being on the show. Uh, right, Jeremy, thanks. like I said, we will catch up uh, week six before our, for our two teams bang heads the, uh, yeah. the first time around. Not so far away anymore. Uh, no. Months. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> Not so far away. I think, you know, well, training camp's at the end of this month. Now, since we're finally in the month of July, we're only, a, you know, what, three weeks away or something like that from, from training camp officially kicking off. And then we got preseason games, and then we're on to the real thing. Yeah, I'm excited. Me too. I am too. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So we'll catch up with you uh, week six, and then uh, once again week 17, see if uh, we're just playing this game because the NFL says we have to or if we're actually playing for something. Yeah, we, we can we can do a playoff preview, or we can start talking about 2016. There you go. Yeah, start. To, well, if we lose to you guys, we'll have the eighth spot in the draft. So I'd actually kind of want to lose this game, but uh, you know, we'll see how all that goes. All right. All right. Sounds good, Larry. All right. Thanks for being on the show. We'll see you later. And that was myself and Jeremy Reisman talking about the Detroit Lions uh, and their future, the the, the past of 2014, and, uh, you know, whether or not uh, the Lions can repeat and get back to the playoffs where history would suggest that, uh, you know, the Lions, much like the Bears have been in recent memory, are somewhat of an anomaly as far as making playoff appearances. Like every now and then, they're good for a trip, but as far as going back and making a habit out of it, We'll leave that to teams like, uh, you know, Green Bay and uh, New England and, uh, you know, the Cowboys and so on and so forth that uh, regularly hang out in the playoffs, uh, whereas, uh, you know, we join the party once a once every three or four years if we're lucky. So uh, we'll see if if the Lions can make good on the on the progress they made in 2014 or uh, if uh, is like I said in the open, will they return uh, to the cellar where they have uh, spent the majority uh, of their seasons uh for better or for worse so um you know we had a great talk with him like i said we'll see him 
week six as we head into that uh, that first matchup with the Lions. Uh, don't have to wait until week twelve this time, like we did last year. Actually, there was the it was weird. We 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 played the Packers fairly early on, and then uh, like week four we played Green Bay. And then five out of our last eight games were against division opponents. We didn't play Minnesota for the first time until like week 10. We didn't play Detroit for the first time until week 12. And then our last two games were week 16 and 17 against the Lions uh, and Vikings. It's a bit more spread out this time around. Um, They don't quite uh, bunch up on us at the end of the schedule like they did uh, last year. So uh, looking forward to, to having everybody back on. Again, like I said before the interview, I've, I've had a wonderful time uh, doing this and uh, being able to talk football with, uh, as I like to refer to them, like-minded individuals as far as uh, people who've, uh, who've got it bad for their team and their colors like we as Bear fans have it bad uh, for ours. So uh, it's fun to talk to people uh, like that. Uh, who have uh, lived and died and, uh, you know, celebrated and suffered with their uh, respective franchises and uh, look forward to to adding to that list as you try to get uh, the other teams that I didn't get a chance to talk to to get them on the show, the Seahawks, the Chiefs, uh, and so on uh, from the NFC West and the AFC West that uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to uh, this time around. So uh, got one episode left, and I do plan on having somebody on uh on the show with me i haven't quite decided who that's going to be but the feedback from you as well as how much i've enjoyed having a discussion uh on these episodes with other people have led me to decide that i do want to have someone uh on the show uh i'm kind of reaching out to a couple of different people to uh to see who would be willing to uh to join me and uh, just seeing who I can get, you know, uh, will I reach out to SB Nation? Will I swing for the fences and go for somebody a little bit higher up there? Uh, if uh, you know, if you try to, you know, kind of leave that one kind of vague for you, to try to see who who I might be trying to get after on our on our on our little podcast uh, here, our, our our little our little show that we have. Uh, so uh, we'll see who it ends up being, and uh, stay post the uh, stay uh, stay. I'll keep you posted. But stay tuned. Keep your eyes open. Uh, visit the uh, the Facebook page regularly. Follow me on Twitter at Shy Bears Review, C H I Bears Review, uh, so that uh, you know you guys can keep up on who it is I might be talking to when that new show for the Bears uh, preview is going to uh, come out. So uh, I'll keep you posted. You guys do your best to keep yourselves informed as well. And uh, we'll be back with that final episode of the previews before we get into the preseason where we finally talk about our beloved. We've had eight episodes. We've been talking about everybody but the Bears. This time we will sit down and focus on the team that you and I love the most, the one and only Chicago Bears. So Looking forward to doing that show and leaving them all behind to talk about our beloved one, one more time before the season gets underway. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.